The price per share of a stock tells you almost nothing. It's the price to buy one share of the stock. But how many shares does the company have outstanding? You know, in math, we multiply two multiplicands together, but the price per share is only one multiplicand. If you don't know the other, you can't do any meaningful math or figure out much of the world around you. Fools with a capital F know that you need to know the shares outstanding and then multiply that by the price per share, and now you know the actual full value of the company, its full price tag, its market capitalization, market cap. Well, to teach this lesson inexorably and unforgettably, we invented a game. That's what I do. The date was August 9th, 2017. The market cap game show was born, and we've been playing every quarter since. Oh, and you're playing too. I designed it that way so you can play along against my guest stars, against your spouse or partner, against your kids. Can you outscore my talented contestants? Well, it's that time of the quarter. Again, 10 new stocks and three guest stars. Bill Barker, past champion Yasser Alshimi, and you. Only on this week's Rule Breaker Investing. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. This is the Market Cap Game Show. It's our holiday full stravaganza. It's the same game show you've got to know for 26 quarters in a row now, and yet it's a full stravaganza, right? Because that's it's the holidays. As I said last week, put some logs on the fire, invite the in-laws over. Don't worry about your holiday shopping for one solid hour. And join me and my guest contestants, Bill Barker and Yasser Elshimi. Bill, a veteran here at The Motley Fool and a voice, personality, stock picker, writer, money manager extraordinaire at The Fool over the years. Again, a veteran by most measures. Bill is nevertheless a rookie to the market cap game show. Yasser, a relative rookie at The Motley Fool, having just joined as an employee in 2020. And yet this will be his fourth market cap game show, a returning champion yeah, so your record is now one win, one loss, and one tie. And yet, even your one loss was just, just on a tiebreaker. Welcome back. Thank you, David. Um, I love this game. I intend to make that a two-win record, not just one. So watch out, Bill. I, normally, I'm uh, an eager participant in trash talking, but uh, <laughs> in this particular game, I don't want to raise anybody's <laughs> expectations too high. I've been wallowing in the very specific uh, small cap uh, world, so I hope mm. all the questions are about stocks uh, uh, somewhere in the less than uh, uh, $2 billion range. If you could do that, then uh, maybe I've got a chance. Maybe, <laughs> but probably not. Uh, well, it's great to have both of you. Bill Barker has been with The Fool for 25 years in between stints as a trial lawyer and federal terrorist asset investigator. But he's mostly known and fooled him for inflicting sporadic episodes of apropos of nothing on unsuspecting podcast listeners during the days of market foolery. He plays a little tennis and other racket sports, roots for the Yankees, and by his own reckoning, sings and dresses about two standard deviations below the median. Back from helping to start up Motley Fool Asset Management over a decade ago, Bill now writes again for The Fool, working on Hidden Gems and Motley Fool Firecrackers. And Yasser Elshimi is an investment analyst at The Motley Fool who covers a wide range of companies, especially small and medium caps. He works on a number of different services, including Global Partners, Next Gen Supercycle, 
and trend spotter. In his free time, Yasser likes to garden, play squash, watch soccer, and study Italian. And of course, the third player, and to us the most important, is you. That's right, you, our dear fellow foolish listener. As Rick begins to crank up our market cap game show music, let me just briefly remind, especially new listeners, new players, I'll be mentioning a stock. Neither Bill nor Yasser knows what stock is coming. They've been in soundproof chambers for guys how long? Too long. Too long. Did, nice to be out. Did we give you any refreshments? Let's keep going. Okay, so I'll turn to one of our contestants here talking about a stock he didn't know was coming, and that fool will do his best to state a numerical range within which the market cap falls. The other contestant and you playing at home will simply say, I agree, meaning it's accurate. The stock's value falls inside that range, or I disagree. I think it's outside that stated range. So you simply agree or disagree. And if you get it right, give yourself a plus one. That's the Market Cap Game Show. We're focused on the real market caps, real stocks here. Nobody knows what's coming. A perfect score would be 10. Stock number one. Yasser, let's talk about business models for a moment. When an industry shifts its core business model, this is one of the most rule-breakery things that we get to witness, not just a company, when a whole industry shifts its business model. Can you think of any examples? Ooh, that's a tough one. An entire industry shifting its business model. Um, I mean, this would have to probably come from some major technological breakthrough. I can think of the Industrial Revolution, for example, uh, the invention of the steam, ship, uh, steam engine and what that had done to shipping. Um, but modern examples, that's, uh, you know, it would have probably to, to do with the internet. and Yeah. yeah. In fact, I'll spot you one because that's where we're headed right now. Adobe in 2013, with its creative cloud offering, began to shift the model. Is this a company you've studied? It is not a company I have studied. Um, that always makes the game better. Exactly. So now I've given it away to Bill that I'll just be guessing here. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a cybersecurity company that probably my guessing would be falls within the uh, mid-cap range. But let, you well, know, let's, let's see. In fact, let me formally ask you, Yasser El-Shimi, what is the market cap range you'd like to state for Verona Systems, ticker symbol VRNS? All right. Since I have disclosed uh, my ignorance of uh, of the market cap of this company, I'm going to go with a rather wide uh, range here. So I'm I'm going to say it probably falls somewhere between a seven billion dollar market cap to a fifteen billion dollar market cap. Seven billion dollars to fifteen billion dollars. Players at home. Bill Barker, do you wish to agree? Or disagree? I'm going to disagree. Are you merely guessing, or is there some savvy here? There is no savvy here. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> I'm equally ignorant uh, of the, the company, and it's... Uh... And I'd like you both to know that I myself was, too. I randomized from the 500 most popular stocks on Fool.com, which are ranked for our members, and this is down there somewhere like number 344 
Again, I'll be mentioning my brother's pick about this in a sec, but let's get back to the game. Bill, you said you disagree. Players at home, what did you say? Okay, you said it. Bill, that is correct. It's a little smaller than Yasser had it. Verona Systems market cap, $4.93 billion. So if you said disagree with Yasser's 7 to $15 billion range, give yourself a plus one. Tom did pick this February 16, 2018. It was heard a year later, I mentioned. It was almost a year to the day when Tom picked it that they announced we're shifting to the cloud. Stock goes down 22%, but now, five and a half years later, it's up 136% overall. The S&P 500 up 70%. He he done good with that stock pick. Um, I would like to note, because I know, Yasser, you're a soccer fan, that the chief financial officer of Verona Systems is a guy named Guy Melamed, and Guy is a former professional soccer player. He was the first Israeli to play Major League Soccer in the United States of America. That's the CFO of this company. Oh, there's a soccer connection. I've got to take a look. I, I, You know, every single thing you've said is news to me. <laughs> <laughs> And therefore, it could it could all be made up, including including the the existence of this company. I, I believe you wouldn't do that. Well, but, but this this could all be edited out later. Like, no, nah, I was just I was just messing with you. Fake news is not on this podcast. That's I know. other podcasts. I know. What I would like is if you just said, went and say, "See, none of this is going in the show. We, we, we just made all that up just to make you look." It's you know. all so very real. And Bill. You have a very real lead, one to nothing, as we move on to stock number two. Bill Barker, what, in your opinion, constitutes a really bad stock pick? I want you to quantify it, please, if you will, sir, the parameters of a really bad stock pick. So the, this is a, a, a math uh, rather than a like psychological uh, explanation. We went with quantify it. Quantify it. A really bad stock pick is uh, something where you, I would say, lose more than half of your money uh, on the sale. Uh, and that, so uh, that might be something that would have come back. Might be something that. Uh, but if you lose half your money, that that's I'd say that's really bad. Would you like to add in any time elements to this? Is there a difference between losing half your money over the course of forty-five years or forty-five days? Uh, I, well, uh, yeah, I guess losing half your money over forty-five years. If there were no dividends, right? That would be <laughs> that would be akin to losing all your money, really. You know, I mean, if you put. put yeah. A thousand bucks down forty-five years ago, and it was five hundred today. You basically lost all much more than a thousand dollars, really. Bill, have you ever made a really bad stock pick? Oh yes, yes, of course. Well, would you share one? Because we're going to be sharing one of mine when we get to this company. Uh, yeah, I got one um, from back in the day, and this was uh, a company that I recognized was not a great company, uh, but I thought. It, it had become a value uh, because it had been hit so hard, but it, it didn't begin uh, to finish its job going towards zero. And that is Planet Hollywood, which I knew at the time I made the investment was not at all a good company, but it just seemed like it had uh, already. I mean, it lost. had a brand. It, it had a brand. It had existing stores. It had. At the time, profits, 
but uh, it, really was, bad it was a really bad stock. Well, I'm glad you shared because we're about to cover one of mine. I picked this stock. I won't say. Let's just go right to the company. Clean Energy Fuels. The ticker symbol is CLNE. That is stock number two for the Market Cap Game Show. Bill, you're thinking about your market cap range for today for Clean Energy Fuels, which on a side note, I picked on a dark, dark day in March of 2012. Bill Barker, your stated range for clean energy fuels market cap. Well, there, there's been a little, there's been a little interest in in companies that do things like the name of this company. Yeah, and if it helps, because it sounds like this is not on your watch list, but this company provides natural gas as an alternative fuel for vehicle fleets. And when it was founded by Boone Pickens, uh, I think it was who died, by the way, in 2019. But this company was founded about 20, 20 plus years ago. The dream was that trucks would start using natural gas as their fuel for long haul. And uh, well, we'll talk about in a sec how how the stock's done. But what's the market cap? I'm going to say the market cap is between. Five hundred million and one point five billion. Five hundred million dollars to one point five billion. Bill using round numbers in his initial shot here on the market cap game show makes it easy to follow at home. Yasser, agree or disagree with Bill's market cap range? Half a bill to one point five. I disagree. I think it falls below that. Unfortunately. You should have agreed, because Bill did a pretty good job, admittedly, with a stock I don't think he knows very much about. I was kind of throwing you a bone there with what this company does. I feel like it might be worth less than $500 million <laughs> based on based on both your description of it being a, a, a really sto- bad, really bad stock, stock pick. Stock pick. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm giving it a little bit of credit for the enthusiasm in the market for what it appears to be trying to do. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because from December 2020 to January 2021, so this is like a couple of months, the stock rocketed back from three, where it was in 2020, to $20 a share in a couple of months as there was expectation, maybe the new Biden presidency and or a shift to cleaner fuels and some Hype, probably, and some Wall Street recommendations all propelled the stock to a five-bagger over the course of a couple of months. But sadly, I picked it higher than 20, and I picked it in March of 2012. The stock down, this fits your parameter, Bill, I think, 82% from where I picked it in Stock Advisor 11 years later. So I think part of a really bad stock pick is that you kept holding it for a long period of time, and that capital was never put to use in any other place. It just kind of died slowly over a long period of time. That's a really bad stock pick. But an energy company, what about all those dividends it was surely paying out? Yeah, there wasn't a lot of cash. (laughs) This company, even in the face of that five-bagger that it enjoyed briefly over the course of a couple of months, its revenues were low and actually shrinking. And I think the story at the time, and I admittedly tend not to follow my losers very carefully years later, I much prefer following winners, but um, I just remember... There's a great article in Fool.com, you can read it from one of our contract writers, who says, I don't think I'd be touching the stock here at 20 after it just moved up from three. He was right. Well, speaking of right, Bill, in a sense, you've been right twice. It's Bill 2, Yasser nothing. Let's move on to stock number three. Yasser, requests for you, sir. It's the streaming time of year. How about three streaming show recommendations, but specifically the first 
what's what's a truly great show or season or movie everyone should watch streaming now or in the year ahead? Maybe an obvious one. Second, what's a hidden gem that many people likely have not watched that you have that you can staunchly recommend? And then third, if you'll indulge us, finally, Yasser, there are too many shows. We're all increasingly time-starved. It's a gift to let your fellow fools know of a show they do not need to watch, one that probably is quite popular, so they think they should watch it, but you're going to tell us we can skip it. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Um... All right, recommendation number one, great show. We should all be watching this thing. That's, I mean, we are lucky to be living in a golden era of television, and uh, there, you know, um, we have a lot of great shows out there. I would particularly point to Fargo on Hulu as a show that everybody should absolutely watch. Great show. The Coen brothers are my favorite directors out there. They came up with the original movie Fargo. Yeah. A classic, true classic. I haven't seen the streaming show. It's gotten a lot of plaudits. Yeah, absolutely. It's now, I think, up to six or seven seasons. I'm still in season four, so catching up. But uh, yeah, I mean, just absolute. Excellent. Yeah. Well, a lot of us have heard of Fargo. That fulfills question number one. Question number two, what's a hidden gem out there? The Leftovers uh, on HBO Max. It's a uh, it's a show about uh, people basically in upstate New York uh, waking up one day and finding that at least half the population has just disappeared, uh, gone. And Sci-fi? Um, I would say it's more philosophy slash mm. maybe uh, sociology than okay. sci-fi. Okay, no spoilers. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and people have to deal with the ramifications of this new world. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate that because I hadn't heard of it. So it fulfills Hidden Gem, at least for me. Thank you, Yasser. How about a show we can skip? You can absolutely skip Monarch Legacy of Monsters on Apple TV uh, right now. <laughs> no reason to watch that. It's a Godzilla show. I, I have a soft spot in my heart for the old original Japanese Godzilla movies, but this one you can probably do, skip. Do we all get to play this one? No, Bill, although later I'll give you an opportunity if you'd like to. I'd like to hear yours. How about this? If you get a point here, we'll let you name it. If you don't get a point here, we're not going to let you name it. Okay. All right. Let's go to the company Mm. because, Yasser, none of those companies is on Netflix. But Netflix is stock number three, ticker symbol NFLX, the company that started the streaming revolution, a few other revolutions besides. We talked earlier about business models. Netflix really shifted the whole business model from a transaction late fee model, when I think about what Blockbuster did when it was the Goliath here, and all of a sudden, Netflix turned it into a subscription. You're using this queue and getting mailed DVDs old school. So Netflix is a good example of that, too. But more importantly, Yasser El-Shimi, what is your stated market cap range for Netflix, ticker symbol NFLX? My market range for Netflix would be $350 billion to $475 billion. $350 billion to $475. This is not a small cap or a medium cap. We can confirm that, gentlemen. No spoilers. Correct. Correct. Bill, players at home, $350 to $475 Netflix. I'm agree gonna, or disagree? I'm going to disagree with that. Bill, you're going to get to name some of your favorite and least favorite streaming shows <laughs> because you get a third point. Netflix which is one of my largest holdings, has a smaller market cap than Yasser thought, which to me gives it room to grow. We always say that when we play the market cap game show. If you thought it was that high, you should have this on your watch list. Netflix clocking in at a market cap of $214.19 billion when I checked in the last few hours. So 
about $215 billion for Netflix today. That was outside Yasser's 350 to 475 range. Bill, you have a 3 nothing lead. But more important, Bill, what's a show we all should watch? What's a hidden gem we should watch we didn't know about? And what's something overrated we can skip? Sure. Uh, well, a show that you should watch is Slow Horses, if you're not watching it yet, on Apple TV. Uh, fairly well known, although not everybody knows it. Uh, so, uh, I'm Hadn't not heard going, it. Not Love going it. out on much of a limb on that one. Uh, but uh, Gary Oldman and company uh, on that. Sounds great. Hidden gem. I'm going to go uh, with, and uh, very few people are going to know this, but everybody should. And I'm not going to tell you anything about it in the hopes that you will watch it, because the less that you know, the better. Uh, and it's called uh, In and of Itself, or Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself on Hulu. Uh, he did an off-Broadway show. Uh, he's a type of magician. Uh, it's produced by uh, Stephen Colbert, directed mm-hmm. by Frank Oz. Uh, and Can't believe I hadn't heard of this, but that's the whole point. It's a hidden gem. Yeah, very few people know it. Uh, everybody that I've recommended it to, uh, it, turn off your phone, sit down. It's an hour and a half. In and of itself. Pay attention. Uh, and then something you can skip. Bridgerton, I would say. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, Netflix fantastic, fantastically very, successful very popular, show. Popular in the peak of COVID, we sat around, <laughs> family watched it. Kids were very uncomfortable at times with their parents <laughs> being in the room for per- certain parts of it. But it's it's and and you know it was a little bit of escapism and uh, all right. If, if you like it, great. But you can skip it. Well, if our listeners at home were doing what we were doing here. We were writing down each other's recommendations. And I bet that happened around this world thanks to this show briefly this week. Thank you both. Bill 3, Yasser nothing. Wow, let's go on to stock number 4. Bill, you and I are the same age-ish. I'm 57. How old are you? 58. Nice. We've watched food delivery become a mega business in our lives. I mean, it's a way of life. Just in the past four decades— in your mind, Bill, who is the original gangsta, the OG of the food delivery business? Uh, the the <laughs> I'm thinking Webvan, uh, but that's you know a that's grocery delivery. That's I'm thinking grocery. like you know popular food brought to you by somebody in a car or truck back in the '80s. Well, it's got to be pizza. Uh, it's uh, got to be I mean Domino's, I guess. And indeed, that is stock number four, gentlemen. Domino's Pizza ticker symbol. DPZ and oh my gosh, it's a throwdown round. Stock number four is a throwdown. To remind listeners at home, both Bill and Yasser will right now write down their market cap range for Domino's Pizza. And all we do, the rest of us listening, is once Bill and Yasser state their market caps, we decide which guy do we want to go with, which seems more plausible. And if we're right, we get a point. This is a throwdown. We do this twice every show. I want to thank again Sam Sudden Death Stevens for this good thought and improvement to this game show in the last year or two. This is a throwdown stock number four, Domino's Pizza. Bill, I'm going to turn to you first. What is your market cap range? You want to be as tight and as accurate as possible here for ticker symbol DPZ. Uh, I'm going with 16 to 25 billion. 16 to 25 billion. Yasser, what did you write down? I wrote down 12 to $16 billion. All right, listeners at home, we're playing this for you. Are you going to agree with Bill or Yasser? I'm going to give you three seconds. Three, two, one. 
say one of their names. And for those of us playing at home, I hope you said Yasser because he nailed it. 12 to 16 billion was the correct market cap range because when I checked it last, very recently, Domino's at 14.01 billion, basically right in the middle of your tight range. Yasser, well done. Are you a Domino's pizza fan? I am not. Uh, as someone who has traveled to Italy several times and enjoyed Italian pizza, I cannot say that I enjoyed Domino's. Uh, however, I do recognize it has been a very successful investment for uh, many fools and for many investors out there, and I have, you know, I applaud that. Um, but I have to say, you know, I was worried there for a second that Bill was about to have a clean sweep here, so I'm glad I could claw back <laughs> just one point in this game. I was thinking about uh, Domino's old market cap, which was above 16. Well, that is surely. true. <laughs> that is true. The last 10 years, this has been, as Yasser mentioned, excellent stock. I've never owned it or recommended it. I've always appreciated I have ordered me a lot of Domino's the course of my life. I don't know about you, Bill. Bill? Uh, yeah, uh, sure. I think the kids uh, kids like Domino's. Yeah. It shows up at uh, Pizza Day here at the office. Uh, that- it's, it's one of the many choices uh pizza day yeah sure. the last 10 years this stock has gone from 80 to 400 a share so it's a five bagger it did hit 550 at the start of 2022 height of covid domino's peaks 550 a share it went as low as 300 this year it is now as i mentioned at 400 a share 14 billion dollar market cap celebrated ceo patrick doyle do you guys remember this he stepped down after eight years of spectacular growth for this company he stepped down it's longer ago than I was remembering, January 2018. So it's now five years later or so. Stocks have doubled since then. It reminds me a little bit of like Steve Jobs is gone. Oh my gosh, Apple will never be the same. Tim Cook shows up. Apple is far larger than it ever was before. I admire both Jobs and Cook. I admire both Doyle and whoever the CEO is now because he's doing a good job. All right, on to stock number five. Yasser, you have good teeth. I would like to think so. I know listeners at home can't see them. This is a podcast. And I never thought I'd think to share this with you until this market cap game show. But you have good teeth. Briefly, can you share Yasser Elshimi's history with dentistry? Oh, my God. You Uh, never know where you're going to be asked in the market cap game show. How much time do we have? (laughs) I I recall at one one point... um, you know, after I after I moved to the U.S. from Egypt, let's just say I had a checkered history of uh, of going to the dentist while I was still living in Egypt, and that was over you know uh, 13 years ago. Now, when I moved to the U.S., I went to the dentist, and the dentist told me, "You need to do 19 fillings." And I kid you not. Wow. I kept going to the dentist at least once a week for almost two months <laughs> just to get all these fillings done and all the work that ha- needed to happen. That is unbelievable. Uh, How so, old were you-ish? Uh, I was about 27, 28. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So It's worked for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Have you had any fillings since? I've had some fillings since. So uh, have I. And, and I've had Still some happens. of the old fillings replaced. So, and unfortunately, dental work is uh, one of those things where, you know, it just keeps the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> it's an industry that's going to be around for a long time. Any thoughts ever given to Invisalign? Yeah, um, I, it's something I considered in the past. But I have to say, and just put it on the record, that 
for um, for much of the of us people who grew up outside of the U.S., we do not give a lot of we don't pay a lot of attention to the appearance of teeth uh, as is given here. Um, so, I mean, yes, it's it's something that crossed my mind at one point, but it was not something I, I felt very strongly about. But I understand that some people. Uh, do use Invisalign. Um, my 11-year-old stepson uh, currently has retainers, so he's you know fixing those teeth. Yep, uh, bright and early. Um, but yes, Invisalign, and I'm familiar with Align Technology. And so. indeed, that is where we're headed. You did guess that as a fellow stock picker. You know where we're headed. Align Technology is the company behind the Invisalign solution. It's not the only one out there, but that kind of teeth correction with the see-through, the thing that you wear often during the daytime, maybe 20 hours a day in some cases. There's different ways of approaching this, but Invisalign has been a winner, and so has Align Technology. And Yasser, I'm turning to you now and asking you, ticker symbol ALGN, Align Technology, what is your stated market cap range for Align Technology? My stated market range for Align Technology is between $10 billion to $14 billion. $10 billion to $14 billion. Bill, I'm not going to ask you your history of dentistry. The show would go on just too long at that it point. It would go on a long time. And then we'd get to mine, where I've had more fillings probably than Yasser. But let's just go and cut right to the chase here, Bill. Yasser said 10 to $14 billion. Viewers at home, Bill Barker, agree or disagree? Disagree. Give Bill a point. It's 4 to 1. Not a bad guess at all, Yasser. But it is a little bit bigger than you were thinking. Align Technology tipping the scales at $19.88 billion. Let's just round it to 20. 10 to 14, not a bad guess. This has been a long-term winner for Motley Fool Rule Breakers. It was recommended by the OG of the Market Cap Game Show. That's Matt Argersinger. I checked the date, June 25th, 2014. So nine years later, a four-bagger. It's up 370%. The S&P 500 up 170%. But it was once a 13-bagger, as recently as two years ago. It's had a huge drop over the last two years from $700 a share to its present perch at about $264 a share. I think it's fair to call it now a one-time winner, a one-time winner for Motley Fool members. But for more recent members, it's been a big loser. So maybe with T.S. White, we'll term this a once and, I hope, future winner. Well, it's visited a lot of interesting places, uh, the stock that is. And it was one of the, I guess, lesser, less obvious COVID darlings uh, when people spend all their time on Zoom seeing themselves uh, on and, and seeing their teeth. And, and uh, that was a big, big, big help for it. And like a lot of other things, it, it, some business was pulled forward that, uh, you know, wasn't really resetting uh, the, this size of the business but well said it uh yeah it's it's been a been a good company great investment for most holding periods but not every holding period you know some of my favorite companies are ones that do real good in the world that provide products and solutions that that help not i wouldn't say every company does out there uh, but most of the ones that i favor and follow and certainly i've always felt that way about align technology um, i grant you the point though yasser very interesting the international view that probably we americans take our teeth a little bit too seriously but that helps align technology well speaking of help yasser you may need a little bit of help because coming out of the firmament like a star shot bill barker has arrived he's up 4 to 1 in the first 5 questions on the market cap game show well you know what they call that david 
beginner's luck. <laughs> I, I think that uh, yeah, I've been helped by these tight market caps that you've been going with, uh, representing uh, very detailed knowledge, of maybe a little overconfidence from that domino scale. Well, we're going to see. We're at halftime. It's time for our brief folly show. Rick? Thank you. Okay, on to stock number six. Bill, you've been living in Washington, D.C.-ish for for how long? Uh, Most of the last 30 years. What first got you here? I came in uh, for a job with a law firm back in my days as a lawyer uh, out of law school. I'm so glad we found you. You found us. 25 years later, we're having fun. When you think in this city, when you think of public companies based in Washington, D.C., any standout performers come to mind for you? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you and I have been here quarter of a century. I know. it should Here there, in the DMV, there, as we call it, there should be D.C., Maryland, of Virginia. Of, uh, the, I'll spot DMV. you one. I'll spot you one. Sure. Just a big company. Maybe the biggest market cap in D.C., Lockheed Martin. Big company. Sure. Yeah, uh, we did have one last market cap game show with Bill Mann and Emily Flippin, Marriott International. Yeah, based here in Washington D.C. and Bethesda companies. That's that is it. In fact, it was started as an A and W root beer stand run by John Willard Marriott and his wife Alice in 1927. That's how Marriott started. But how about a globally diversified conglomerate started by brothers? And these brothers have been a, a bit more successful so far than David and Tom Gardner. And perhaps ironically in this case, the company has a much larger market cap than our company. And yet those brothers maintain a much, I would say, a much lower profile than, than maybe Tom and I do. Maybe I need to learn a thing or two. Let's go to stock number six, Danaher Corporation, ticker symbol DHR. Stephen and Mitchell Rails founded this company. Well, we'll cover that in a little bit. Turning back to our present leader, up four to one, Bill Barker asking you the market cap for Danaher Corporation, ticker symbol DHR. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, 24 to 38 billion. 24 to 38 billion dollars. Players at home, Yasser Alshimi, do you want to agree with Bill's 24 to 38 or disagree? I'm going to disagree. I'm glad you disagreed, Yasser, because Bill wasn't even close. Players at home, if you were swayed by Bill's 25 years in Washington, D.C., <laughs> the guy was a lawyer, so he must be smart, right? I will say as the person who gets asked the questions, I always sound smart, as Alex Trebek did back in the day. I, I love that position because I would have gotten this one wrong, too. Danaher Corporation's market cap is $167.8 billion. This company is a monster. Yeah, I've... I've- had it come across my radar in terms of uh, the success as a stock and and uh, some of the DNA that's out there in other companies, uh, but uh, no, I didn't. Uh, well, never just, never paid attention. You know, for to the, the record, cap. David, how many standard deviations out of the market range <laughs> is that market cap? I'm just well, putting it on. I'm not going to do deviations, but I will go like a hundred billion dollars or so. How about that? <laughs> But you know what's a hundred billion dollars? Uh, named after Danaher Creek, by the way, in western Montana, where the two brothers Stephen and Mitchell Rails 
conceptualize the company as they were fishing. It actually started in 1969 as a Massachusetts REIT, a real estate investment trust. It eventually reorganized in Florida and began investing in retirement homes. When the Rails Brothers, coming back from Danaher Creek in western Montana, took it over, it has grown hugely since, mostly through acquisition. Maybe to the Motley Fool's shame, no fool service had ever recommended this stock until Backstage Portfolio did last month. It's been a four-bagger in just the last 10 years. It's been a much, much bigger bagger than that had we all bought and held, as the Rails Brothers have, for decades. Yeah, it's one of those companies that are serial acquirers. They look for great businesses to acquire at good valuations. Um, They have generated great return on uh, invested capital and great return on equity for many, many years. Um, So, yeah, if you had owned Danaher for a long time, you have done very well for yourself. And the company, I think, in part is lesser known. It's not a brand name a lot of people recognize because it is such a B2B, a business-to-business company. They're acquiring other businesses, but generally those businesses supply other businesses. They're not selling directly through to you and me like Invisalign is sold to us from Align Technologies. So that is Danaher Corp. And those who want you know the score to be kind of close and have a little suspense as we near the last third of the show are excited, Yasser, that you've just halved Bill's lead. It's now four to two. Let's move on to stock number seven. Yasser, both you and Bill enjoy racket sports. In your intro, I mentioned your enjoyment of squash. How'd you start playing? Um... So, squash is like a big thing in Egypt. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. But, I did not know uh, that. We have Bill knows everything. <laughs> he does. He actually does. <laughs> yeah, I, I know about Especially it. racket it, sports. It, we'll get to that, Egyptian but keep going. Dominance, yeah. Yeah. We have, we've hosted uh, squash, squash World Cups um, several times, actually. Um, in, in Egypt, some of the, the top 10 ranked players in the world have almost consistently included at least one Egyptian player. So, it's, it's a big deal. Um, so, that's how I knew the sport. But I, I first came to play it when uh, I went for graduate school in Boston. And uh, I just signed up for a squash class and um, started learning and, you know, haven't looked back since. It's just like the most fun racket sport you can play. I'm not going to say it's Egypt's national sport, but it sounds like it's very prominent. It's ironic that it took you coming to Boston University, Yasser, for you to actually start picking up this amazing racket sport. That's true. I mean, it's just, I think in Egypt, I did not, I, I didn't really have any uh, place where I could go train very easily. Uh, whereas on campus here, it was just very convenient. So, yeah. A couple of times I played, I think I smashed my racket once and I realized I needed a new one. How often do you, does one buy a new squash racket? In my case, uh, maybe once every five years. Oh. And when you buy a new squash racket, this, by the way, is a wayward and lame way to get back to the stock, stock number seven. When you buy a new squash racket, Yasser, do you go on the internet to make the purchase? Yes. And just on Amazon, or do you support some small business somewhere, a business that wouldn't have Amazon's footprint or capabilities, but might nevertheless be well-powered, enabled by a competing e-commerce platform? Well, uh, a longtime <laughs> shareholder of both Amazon.com and Shopify, <laughs> uh, I um, yeah, I, I, I usually I buy it from Amazon. I'll I'll just be honest here. Uh, well, that's fine. But the stock that you've already realized is stock number seven is Shopify ticker symbol S H O P. And oh my gosh, guys, it's our other throwdown for this episode of the Market Cap Game Show. So. 
both Bill and Yasser put their thinking caps on. They've got their pens out, their post-it notes. They're about to write down their personal state of range for Shopify, ticker symbol S-H-O-P. All right. Well, turning first to Yasser. Yasser, you've been a shareholder. Good job. I haven't been, by the way. I helped pick the stock, but I've never owned it. I'm so happy for you. What is your stated market cap range for Shopify? My stated market cap range is $98.5 billion to $103 billion. $98.5 to $103 billion. Bill, what did you write down? Uh, 98 to 101. 98 even to 101? Wow, those are two incredibly tight market cap ranges. It's almost like you guys anticipated I might ask about Shopify. You couldn't have known because you've been in a soundproof chamber, not fed for over four days. But here you are, and you both made wickedly good guesses. And players at home, it's now up to you. Do you want to go with Bill, who said 98 to 101 billion? Or are you going to go Yasser, 98.5 to 103 billion dollars? And if you said, Yasser, give yourself a point. And oh my golly, this was close. The market cap as we speak for Shopify is $101.68 billion. Yasser, you allowed 98.5 to 103. Bill cut it off at 101. What was it when we started recording? It's a good question. <laughs> I will tell you, this is the right question. And a little bit of inside baseball here. I usually take down the market caps. We are taping live here Tuesday afternoon, December 19th at 1.20 p.m. Eastern. So that is right about where Shopify is now. But I generally do all this the day before and just log kind of market close when it was $98.22 billion, which means, Bill, you were going to win because you said 98 to 101, and Yasser said 98.5. He was over. But we have to respect the market, respect the game, respect the players. Yasser, point number three. And if you... Players at home said, Yasser, oh my gosh, you could have said either and be pretty darn right, but we, we got to honor the game here. Plus one. This is tough. This is tough. Because <laughs> I, I, I believe that when at 12.15, I bet I was close. <laughs> when we started, when we came in, we're still in the soundproof booth. So, so I think it's, it seems to have done well uh, in, the, in the hour. Maybe the market has done well as well. Who knows? This is what greatness looks like. I'm just happy to be at the same table with you guys. I love Shopify. It has been good to me over the years, so I'm glad that it gave me a point now. It is one of the better picks in Motley Fool Rule Breakers history. Carl Teal first picked it on February 24th of 2016. His write-up, and I'm going to quote it here, it began, Tobias Lutke was a programming prodigy with a taste for adventure and business. And all three of those things came together in his early 20s, when he launched an online snowboarding gear store with a friend, but there was a fairly fundamental problem. Even with his advanced skills, Lutke couldn't find a simple e-commerce platform that could be adapted to different sales channels or accommodate a growing business. So he created his own solution, and it quickly became much bigger than snowboards. And that write-up goes on from there. Shopify, seven years later, by the way, is a 36-bagger. And not only that, but one month later in Rule Breakers, so March of 2016, it was time for me to cast my eyes up and down that whole Rule Breakers scorecard and pick a stock already picked as a re-recommendation. And man, am I glad I picked Shopify, because that position is a 29-bagger, which is a great investment, too. 
It also shows, though, guys, that the stock had gone up 28% from our initial pick one month before. And so I did the rule breakery thing that I like to do in part because other people won't do it, which is why breaking the rules works. By the way, I said, you know, my favorite stock is the one that just went up 30% over the past month. Most people shy away. In my experience, they wait for the dip. I won't call them dips. Anyway, these are past points made in Fool Services and on this podcast, Add to Your Winners. So, credit again to Carl Thiel for seeing a great thing back in February of 2016. It's been picked many a time My brother Tom Garter, many services. We've had Toby Luke speak to our employees, etc. I can't remember if he mentioned snowboards or not. Bill, did you remember that story about snowboards? Uh, now that you mention it, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, and in fact, I remember... Even further back, an article of yours, David, from back in the 90s about having had a good day in the market. Some stock went up, and you celebrated by buying a new squash racket. With your, <laughs> You're your exactly right. I cannot believe winnings. you remember that, Bill. Uh, and then, of course, you know the stock came back to the <laughs> previous price. And, you know, but uh, that was as a young guy in my early 20s. I was like, that I needed to buy a new squash racket, and I'd had one good day with one investment, and I just decided I'm going to sell that and buy a squash racket. And uh, the rest is history. I thought it was completely buried, Bill, until you mentioned oh, that. Well, Thank you. Sounds like we got to go play squash sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to hit the wall. I'm not very good. <laughs> I got I to take issue with one thing uh, said about squash being the most fun. It's it's the most brutal racket sport. It's that's one, what makes it fun. It's yeah. If you like brutality, uh, then uh, and I I played squash in college, so I, I know the game. Although it was a slightly different version back then than what's played today. Yeah. Well, and different indeed, ball. Bill, you have won a national championship or two in a racket sport here in the United States of America. Am I right? Yes, not in squash, which is a, a greater accomplishment than the. But would you sport. brag for thirty seconds? Because you never do. I mean, I, yeah, my son is the uh, U.S. amateur uh, doubles champion in uh, the game of court tennis, so. and that is the game that you have also won a national championship in, right? Is it court tennis? Uh, yes, but I was choosing not to brag about myself, <laughs> which is well, I think which it's is, great to brag about your, your son. demands that I do so. So I, I went ahead and bragged about my child, and uh, yeah, let's no, all brag that was about our that was beautiful. Um, we'll, we'll we'll move on, but before we do, a lot of us know the phrase tennis court. Fewer know the phrase court tennis. What is the difference between court tennis and tennis and or squash? So court tennis, as it is called in the U.S., although it is called real tennis in England and Australia, (laughs) uh, which is not to distinguish it from fake tennis, but is a corruption of royal tennis, uh, is the game that, to hearken back to the fool origins, uh, Shakespeare, when he was writing about tennis, as he did did two or three times, the game was played back in that day uh, and is still played the same way on the same courts. And um, so it's uh, the origin, it's the uh, ancestor of all racket sports. And it's an indoor court. It's got a net across uh, the middle, but there are walls that you hit off of and various other things. Ah, So it's... uh, Sounds like fun. It is fun. It's a great fun. There are only 10 or 11 courts in the U.S. But uh, Any truth to the rumors that four of them are about to become a court pickleball? Uh, <laughs> it, it, that's that's the, the sport that is threatening Not to raise your hackles. Tennis. <laughs> I, I, 
there but are have people... you heard about court pickleball though? Court pickleball. Court pickleball. <laughs> no, there is no courts pickleball. <laughs> All right, on to our final three stocks. The score: Bill four, Yasser three. Bill for stock number eight. I thought I'd ask ChatGPT to explain this company and what it does to an eight-year-old. You can find a deeper, more complicated explanation at Motley Fool Rule Breakers, where I picked this stock. You can also read more about it on the company website. But here's how ChatGPT has it, and and after I share this bill, I'm not going to ask you to guess the market cap yet. I'm going to ask you to guess the company. Here we go. This is ChatGPT explaining this company to an eight-year-old, and I quote: "Think of blank as a company that makes special tools and ingredients for scientists who are like chefs. These scientists work in big kitchens called labs." Where they make very special and important medicines. These aren't your usual medicines. They are made from tiny living parts, like cells, which are super small parts that are in all living things, including us. Eight-year-old blank helps these scientists by giving them things like tiny strainers and special ingredients to make sure their medicines are made just right. These medicines are really important because they help people who are sick with. Tough illnesses get better, so blank is a bit like a helper in making sure those medicines are safe and can do their job well. Now I will tell you, Bill, because I know this company. I know the answer. If I just heard that, I don't think I could have guessed it. Can you? Uh, no, <laughs> I can't guess it. <laughs> Excellent. I thought, I thought I got close there for a second. But <laughs> I <laughs> won't even make the rule breaker category. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to embarrass myself by throwing out. I feel like I could just throw out random syllables. Well, and you it would start, be close. That word to, random. It starts with the same letter. Yeah, that's it's not getting me all the way there. <laughs> Replogen Corp, ticker symbol R-G-E-N. Probably a stock you may not have spent a lot of time with, but again, that's what makes the Market Cap Game Show fun. I'll talk a little bit about how it's performed later, but let's cut right to the quick again here. Bill Barker, your market cap range for Replogen, ticker symbol R-G-E-N. I had luck. With the five to fifteen billion, or was that five hundred to one point five? I'm going to go with five to fifteen. All right, Bill has gone with five billion dollars to fifteen billion dollars. Yasser, players at home, do you want to agree or disagree? I will disagree. It's a shame you did, Yasser, because that was a pretty good guess. In fact, you both have distinguished yourself now by providing ranges where. Dead in the middle. The median was the market cap. Bill, you said five to fifteen. Ten point oh one billion is the market cap for Replogen Corp. Not a tight range that I gave there, but apparently <laughs> loose, apparently but with the right median, the golden mean, my uh, friend. Yeah, five uh, multiples of five. I think are, uh, what I need to go with. Uh, yeah, I'm still bitter about losing the uh, Shopify. Shopify. I haven't, I haven't gotten past that. That was the best guess I had by far, and, and it cost me. Well, I was checking the performance replogen I first picked for Motley Fool Rule Breakers. July 25th, 2019, stock's about 90 back then. So today at 180, which is where replogen trades, it's been right about a double. Not bad over the course of four patient years and counting. I will say, though, that it went from 90 to 330 two years later. That 
Remember, the market went way, way up in 2021 briefly. Well, Replogen went with it. So it's dropped from 330 to 180, a reminder of the volatility that rule breaker investors should be expecting. Even with global life sciences, companies doing really interesting, cool things that an eight year old can understand. And as long as I was bragging earlier about my re recommendation of Shopify, I should mention I did re recommend Replogen in November of 2020, and that position is down 14%. So, yeah. There's that too. But we're not looking backwards. Well, at least for the Market Cap Game Show, gentlemen, we're looking right now at the truth right in front of us. Even if it keeps wavering a little bit and it broke Bill's heart with Shopify, we're looking at the truth. But as investors, all we really care about is not then or now, but the future. And I hope it has good things for Replogen and its investors. The score is Bill 5, Yasser 3. Yasser, that means if you are to once again Manage to tie, and we'll have a tiebreaker. You're going to have to win not just this next one, but the one after that, too. Do you feel it? Do you feel like you can bring that? Um, I felt it before I started. Now that I see what <laughs> Bill's made of, um, I'm not so sure. <laughs> All right, let me turn to you for stock number nine. Yasser, let me try out a marketing tagline on you. So rate this one zero to ten, where ten is perfect and zero is the worst marketing tagline that you've ever heard. You ready? Yeah. And I quote, we're in the business of helping you do business. I would say that's an eight. And why didn't you give it a nine? Can you say it again? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, totally. Here it is. We're in the business of helping you do business. Okay. It sounds, I mean, it's a great catchy marketing phrase. I feel it's a little too cheesy for my taste. So that's why I didn't give it a nine. Thank you. Well, this company, Bill and Yasser, is in the business of accelerating the financial services industry into the digital world. In their words, and I'm going to quote them again, we provide the critical infrastructure that powers investing, corporate governance, and communications to enable better financial lives. End quote. I admit, having randomized this from the full 500, I know very little about this company, but I'll have a few fun facts after we cover the market cap for Broadridge Financial Solutions. The ticker symbol here, BR. Yasser, your market cap range for Broadridge Financial Solutions. We're in the business of helping you do business. Right. Uh, well, I think that's that's the kind of company that's in Bill's sweet spot. You know, those uh, small cap companies. Um. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with one to three point five billion dollars. One billion to three point five billion dollars. Broadridge Financial Solutions players at home. Bill Barker, agree or disagree? Strongly disagree. And indeed, that's going to clinch the victory because you're right. Like Yasser, and I can now say like Yasser because Yasser was clearly wrong on this. But I also knew very little about Broadridge Financial Solutions, whose market cap, $23.02 oh my billion. I was going to go, <laughs> gonna go with close. 22 but okay. I but I, I know the company because it uh, was, I haven't actually followed uh, along uh, since uh, moving from asset management to uh, back to publishing. But uh, For the yes, it, Fool, was, yeah. it was in a, a few of the things that, that I managed, so I was... I was I was thinking 22. Well, indeed, it's been a good stock pick for three Motley Fool services. Members will know which ones 
those are. So, Bill, you obviously have some awareness of this company. Have you ever like looked over the financial statements, visited Owings Mills, Maryland, where it's based? Uh, I have not. It was really sort of uh, uh, Brian Hinman uh, mm-hmm. brought it fellow uh, fool. to, to a fellow yep. fool and the, uh, the head of asset management, and uh, he was the, the proud uh, you know, uh, sponsor and, and follower. Of, it has of been a very stuff. fine investment. Yeah, it has been a clear winner. I, I do want to note in passing as we move to our final stock that Owings Mills, Maryland, was where my recollection is that's where the Lewis Rukeyser Wall Street Week show was filmed. For those who remember, the longest running show on PBS for decades, and the reason I mentioned that briefly is because that was my one job before the Motley Fool. I wrote for Lewis Rukeyser's financial newsletter. I was doing so here in Alexandria, Virginia, where the newsletter company was based. But the TV show, pretty sure they would always say, from Owings Mills, Maryland, it's Wall Street Week. And uh, I do want to express one regret right now. You know, Dan Pink wrote a great book last year called The Power of Regret. I had him on this podcast. Listeners will remember Dan talking about regret. He spoke to our company just last week at Fulapalooza, spoke some about regret. He said it's important to articulate your regrets. Don't don't walk around saying what I used to say before I read Dan's book. I got no regrets. I live life without regrets. He's like, that's that that's probably not true. And it really shouldn't be true. Dan has said, by expressing regret, we often live better into a future where we recognize that we don't want to do that again. We have a regret. We're going to be a better person. So I was once quoted in The New Yorker reflecting on my job with Louis Rukeyser's Wall Street, which was the name of the financial newsletter. It was in the talk of the town, early days for The Motley Fool. And the writer, who I really like, Jesse Kornbluth, who wrote that lovely piece that really catapulted The Motley Fool, earliest days. And when asked to describe my experience working for Rukeyser for six months before The Fool and the Internet started, I said it was a waste of time. And I noticed in media that came after, that did not make Lewis very happy. (laughs) He was a consistent critic of The Motley Fool. He would call us out back when we were still trying to get our legs under us and convince the world that a couple young guys with jester caps would actually be worth listening to. And Lewis was definitely not a promoter. He was a detractor. And he took quite personally, it seems, that I had described my time with his company as a waste of time. And I do regret that I said that. I did like Rukeyser. I definitely did say that because I felt that way. It wasn't his fault. It was sort of a, not a great corporate culture. But um, friends, thank you for allowing me that brief moment as we talk about Broadridge Financial Solutions operating out of Owings Mills, Maryland, to express regret. So, you know, without, uh, you know, mentioning or going into Rukeyser personally, do you still uh, think of it as a waste of time? I, I don't fully. First of all, I don't think you should say that about a former employer to the media. I was kind of in my 20s and having fun. And you regret saying it. So I'm not. I, you're like, right. You're right. I regret saying but, it. But um, to what degree do you still think? I am that it so was glad. Way? I am so glad that I resigned from that job um, just six months in, which is as the eldest in my family, where you're probably raised with a sense that you should be a responsible person and like stay on and give it a, the old college try for a couple of years. It looks bad in your resume. I'm really glad that I cut out. I'm not sure the Motley Fool would have been born had I, you know, stuck with it day in, day out, uh, in order to look good for my resume. I will say I got to interview a bunch of people in the financial world, the kinds of people who would be on Louis Rukeyser's show, Wall Street Week. And so I did gain some experiences and some famous people that I got to talk to about finance. So that was a nice feature. Yeah, I, I recall way back again, back into the nineties. We'll we'll bring the show back there repeatedly. <laughs> 
<laughs> your writing. I don't remember you writing about it as a waste of time, just sort of as a frustrating thing of, of bringing on things like we should recommend index stock or index funds yeah. because of their superior performance to manage funds as a group. And, and, you know, you couldn't get that through the, you know, the channels there. So I, I think of it as having set up some of the I think you're right. foils that, that the Motley Fool uh, had, uh, you know, that you probably would have known about those foils anyway, but the experience of what you can say in different channels and yeah, to start. Yeah, I was less aware of media and the effects of media back then just doing our fool thing. Bill, I love going back there. We're not going to spend any more time there this week in the 90s, but thank you. As a 25-year employee, you were with us in the late 90s. You remember those heady days. You mentioned Foolapalooza. We spent a little time there on those days. There and we go. Great to revisit. Absolutely. All right. On to stock number 10. Yasser, while you can't win this time, people tend to remember just the last thing, right? There's all kinds of psychological studies show we really just remember the last thing. So you have an opportunity to emblazon on our collective memory the greatness of you. Or Someone go who's, down in flames. That's well, another, that's another, true. That's true. But let's, let's, let's look at things half full as I turn to Bill for stock number 10. Bill, let me be blunt, and I'm going to ask here on behalf of the American people. Do you pay your taxes? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> well, you know, I thought to ask. I because... mean, not by choice. It's, it's re- removed from my paycheck every two weeks by your company. I, <laughs> despite my best attempts to not pay taxes, this company just won't let me get away with it. I thought to ask, Bill, because, you know, the Internal Revenue Service here in this country estimates that the tax compliance rate in the U.S. is about 83 to 84%, which means. One in six Americans, nobody listening to us right now because we're all fellow fools and we wouldn't do that, but one in six Americans is under-reporting or, or not filing their taxes. Bill, have you ever used TurboTax? I have, yes. Did you find it a pleasant experience? Uh, so far as paying taxes could be? In, in comparison to doing my taxes myself, I did find it uh, relatively yeah. pleasant. I mean, generally, TurboTax reduces errors. It talks us through uh, your e-filing. These days, that's almost de rigueur. But back in the day, that was a thing to like be filing electronically through, through TurboTax. I think studies would show that there are fewer under-reporting people not filing their, their taxes. It's probably a self-selection bias, those who are using TurboTax, you probably know where we're headed with stock number 10, TurboTax, an acquisition of this company that, ironically, now that I think about it, I wrote about on the back page of the Rukeyser newsletter when I was saying, you know, into it. I mean, you can actually track your expenses. Quicken, back in the day, I wrote a whole article about Quicken, and they kind of took out all the fun parts and made it gray and uninteresting. That's ultimately kind of why Month after month, I walked away from that job. I would pick something like a discount broker, index fund, as you mentioned, or Quicken, and I'd say, everybody should use this. And the form in which it got published didn't look fun or great to me anymore, but it was Quicken, a product of Intuit. Ticker symbol INTU, stock number 10 for this edition, the final stock for this edition of the Market Cap Game Show. Bill Barker, your stated market cap range for Intuit, ticker symbol INTU. All right, so this is my my chance to do some trash talking uh, since you started it. <laughs> you, you you can either lose or lose badly, depending on how you do it. 
do here. Well, you should go for the jugular. But I'm, I'm, I'm just back. throwing you. I'm in your head now. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, 90 to 170 billion. Quite a wide range. 90 billion to 170 billion. A range of 80 billion dollars there. Yasser, players at home. 90 to 170 billion for Intuit. Agree or disagree? Well, despite the fairly wide market cap range that Bill offered, I'm going to have to disagree with this. Um, I believe that Intuit is over $200 billion market cap, but we shall see. What do you say, David? Well, you're right and wrong. <laughs> the, the key is that you're right because it is outside just barely Bill's wide range. Intuit clocking in at $173.18 billion. Oh, oh, I thought so about $180. You just shouldn't have said it was over 200 because that's not actually true, yes, sir. But the main thing is you got it right. And that closes out this edition of the Market Cap Game Show with a final score of Bill 6 Yasser, four, very close. I did, I'm happy to say, pick into it for Stock Advisor. I was checking it November of 2012. It had a market cap of $17 billion back then. Oh, wow. So today it's $170 billion, so it's been a 10-bagger. And it was already feeling like a fairly mature, impressive, small-to-mid-cap company back then. It has become, Bill, and you said this with confidence. I mean, you... You knew it was big, although, Yasser, you knew it was even, was bigger, even bigger than that. Is this a stock that either of you guys owns or have researched? Uh, neither. I mean, I'm aware of and, and sort of usually outside of the market cap of where I was working on things, but uh, should have owned it. To my regret, I do not own into it. Um, you know, has been on my watch list forever. But as you always say, David, dips, wait for dips. <laughs> I'm the dip here. <laughs> well, I'm a dip too, because I'm the one who picked it for Stock Advisor members. I've never owned it myself. You know, we can't often own all the stocks that we pick, especially if we're picking on a very regular basis. But I do think back fondly on Quicken. Of course, QuickBooks is a big business for Intuit today. And that back page of that Rukeyser Financial Newsletter, not published out of Owings Mills, Maryland, but Alexandria, Virginia, which is where Full HQ Studios is today. Thank you both. The final accounting is then this. Bill Barker, six. Yasser El-Shimi, four. But Bill and Yasser and I know that we're not playing this game for each other. We're playing for you. How did you score, dear fool? Dear listener at home, we hope that you outscored all of us. The purpose of the Market Cap Game Show is to make more popular, I'm never going to say as popular as Jeopardy, but to make more popular market caps. You know, the real value of stocks on the market that most people who just look at price per share don't really understand. Except that you do understand because you just listened to us for an hour and I hope you scored at least a few points this week and maybe beat one or both of our competitors. Bill and Yasser, you both distinguish yourselves and help make the world a bit smarter, happier, and richer this week. Next week is our year-end December mailbag. I hope you're able to enjoy a lovely holiday between now and then, wherever you are. A last line from you, Bill? Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself on Hulu. A last line from you, Yasser. Oh. Uh, speaking of regrets, I would like to share a regret that I have, which is agreeing to go against Bill Barker on this game. Um, <laughs> he is more than a worthy adversary. And, uh, you know, good job, Bill.
Uh, I'm probably going to retire undefeated. <laughs> that's, that's my goal. Here. We'll try to have you both back. And I certainly hope to have you back. We do this the penultimate Wednesday of every quarter. We might even do this a little bit more than that in 2024. I have so much fun. Bill Yasser, listeners at home, full on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.